Hello, friends. Welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. So I just also want to give a little bit of a background uh, because I know one person here in that meeting and I think everybody else has met me before. So I'm originally from Austria and started in Thailand with Archam Buddha Dasa, a Thai forest master from the south of Thailand. And then after he got very ill, I went to England and trained with Archan Sumedho and uh, Sila Dara Sangha in the Archan Cha lineage for about 16 years. And then in 2009, I came to America together with Ayananda Bodhi and we started a Loka Vihara in San Francisco and then in 2014, we moved the Aloka Vihara to the Sierra foothills near Placerville, and it became the Aloka Vihara Forest Monastery, which has closed its doors at the end of last year because we had a lot of issues with fire out there and not many young people, you know, do help with looking after the land, which became more and more tricky as the fire seasons became more and more dangerous really and in 2021 it almost burned down the monastery and uh, so I have uh, resettled here in San Rafael and I opened up the it's called the Aloka Earth Room which is a place you know which weaves together the Dharma ecology and art. In the spirit of my first teacher, Ajahn Buddhadasa, who also used art as a teaching tool. In his monastery in the south of Thailand, there was an art gallery, which was called the Spiritual Theater. And I was very inspired by that approach and have now kind of reconstructed that in a small fashion. It's a house in a dead end street in San Rafael near Gersel Park. And you know, the living room of that house has been transformed into the earth room. The images on the walls are, you know, reminiscent of cave paintings. And they could be, you know, the half-closed eyes of a Buddha, or it could be, you know, the boat which takes us to the other shore, or it could be early life forms, amoeba, or it maybe could be constellations. So it, it leaves that open, really, what it is. And, you know, doesn't allow the mind to necessarily land on anything, which is helpful, I think, for the practice. And this, you know, the, the design of this room I have made together with an artist from Vienna, Barbara Werres, and then, you know, put it, you know, re realized it together with friends here in the, in the area. And there's also the indigenous wisdom here is symbolized through that painting here. And yes, you know, I, I probably on one of those photos with Ruth Dennison down in the center. I think Anna Bodhi and myself, yeah. And we have visited Ruth here in the beginning when we came to America in 2008. I still remember that visit and stayed for a few days. And then Ruth came once also up to a local Vihara in San Francisco and stayed for two, three days with us. And yes, she has been, you know, the driving force behind the Sana Loka Foundation, which supports the Aloka Earth Room and also Aloka Vihara, where Ayananda Bodhi is currently in Washington. And so Ruth asked the founding board president, Chil uh, Boon, you know, to start the Sana Loka Foundation with the intention to invite nuns of the Achan Cha lineage to America to empower them, you know, to be able to step out from under the shadow of the, the monks. And they didn't really know, you know, how that would unfold, but they started anyway. And what happened is that we actually left the lineage in order to become bhikkhunis because the lineage 
doesn't support this until today. And so we have a lot of gratitude uh, for Ruth Dennison. And also she came once to Amaravati, I remember that now too, when I was involved with the opening of the Dhamma uh, hall there, Ruth came then as well. Yeah. So there is a connection, you know, with this Sangha definitely through her. And, you know, today I wanted to speak about uh, emptiness and the embeddedness in this amazing web of intelligence, which we call planet Earth. Speaking about that and then uh, giving some direct experience uh, with a guided meditation on the elements. And, you know, before I start to speak, let us just like settle in and arrive in the space here for a few minutes. You know, allowing the breath to take you into the body. And allowing you know, your nervous system to guide you, you know, sensing the gravity pulling us towards the earth. And sensing in the stability, which is, you know, under our seat, under our chair. Which is you know, holding us. And just acknowledging, you know, the presence of the planet, which we are part of. And, you know, most likely the particular piece of land where you're sitting, you know, has been taken care of by some indigenous group. In my case, uh, it's the coastal Miwok people. And also acknowledging the planet herself as a living being with amazing intelligence, which is so amazing that it has escaped us for so long. And now we are starting to get shaken up by everything what's happening So, you know, trying to sense your body from inside. Is it a very energetic experience, the flow, the aliveness? which is in constant you know, interchange with the biosphere.
and it doesn't have an unchanging core to it. And that's, you know, is really the liberating insight in the Buddhist teaching, you know, which is the insight into emptiness or sunyata or not-self anatta, which is so central, you know, to the Buddhist teaching and was a new concept, you know, which was taught at his time before he, you know, started to teach, nobody taught about that. It was his original contribution. You know, many others have been teaching about impermanence before the Buddha. For example, Heraclitus also in, in Greece has been teaching about that. But the concept of emptiness or not self, it was a new contribution at the at Iron Age India, the time when the Buddha was living. And he basically you know, speaks to the fact that all phenomena are processes and they are not separate. They are all conditioned processes and they don't exist from their own side, but they are dependently arisen. And because of that, you know, they have liberation as their essence. So through, you know, investigation and reflection and practicing, we start to realize that, and because of that, all phenomena have liberation as their essence. If it's a car or my own body or a cup of tea or a planet, they all are empty, empty of a self. And the Buddha says, you know, I do not say that things exist, or do not exist, I teach dependent origination. So he doesn't say, you know, that there's nothing there, but there's a denial of a permanent entity. And, you know, when I look at the screen, I can definitely see you all, you know, you're all, uh, you know, behind the background of your rooms or wherever you're sitting, but, the way you know how my sense organs perceive you like as separate entities isn't really the way things are. It's just, you know, something which is uh, the limitations of our sense organs. But then through investigation and going deeper, we start to come to a very different perception. And, you know, this investigation leads to, you know, the classic uh, process is, is described, it leads to Nibida, disenchantment. And if we translate the word Nibida, literally it actually means not finding, because we are not finding what we think is there, which means, you know, we tend to think this is an unchanging separate entity, but then if we look into it, in, you know, with the instructions given by the Buddha, we start to realize ever more deeply, no, you know, those, those uh, phenomena, they are not separate entities. They don't have an unchanging core. And there's also, you know, this beautiful um, teaching story with a chariot where, you know, somebody takes a chariot apart in many different bits and pieces and puts them out on the ground. And then the question is, where has the chariot gone? Now, as it's you know, put out in like 200 little pieces, the chariot hasn't gone anywhere. The chariot never really existed. It always was just you know, a coming together of all of these bits and pieces. And our bodies are just the same. And our bodies in the end you know, are actually part of the planet itself. All of the building blocks are coming to us, so to say, forming this body. And then when the time comes, they go back. So at this day and age, you know, where we are becoming more and more aware of the impact we have had on the planet, you know, in terms of its self-regulation, so that we have... Uh, you know, uh, 
comfortable environment that uh, is starting to backfire and we start to you know being more and more impacted by the repercussions of of how we have been interfering and uh, i think because of that it's really very important for us to really use the teachings to understand more fully who we really are and through this understanding you know drop to a more realistic narrative about what we are doing here and what we are and uh, i find um, you know that the understanding of the body being like a riding animal or a mounting animal for consciousness very helpful you know uh, an animal which is borrowed from nature and as long as you know as we are alive we look after it and then when the time comes to give it back we give it back and through that you know we become more and more actually interested in uh, who are we actually really and if you look at it we are like uh, like trees you know in a way trees which who can walk we also have roots you know but our roots they are like more energetic roots and we are in constant exchange with the environment through eating drinking breathing sweating going to the bathroom many many things crying there's a constant exchange and we never really cut the umbilical cord to the biosphere. You know, and as we are becoming more and more people on the planet and the limitations of the biosphere, they are not changing. They are the same as they have always been. It's getting increasingly more um, difficult. And uh, we need to find uh, different strategies, you know, to how to live. And I think, you know, the Buddhist teaching in particular on the elements can be very helpful for us, you know, to drop into a deeper understanding of who we are. And, you know, taking the trouble to really look into that and allowing ourselves to be changed by this. And I think, you know, that the meditation on the elements is, is a very simple practice and it's, you know, one of the three practices in the first establishment of mindfulness. There is the three practices uh, listed, you know, the, the practice on the body parts, the practice on the elements, earth element, water element, fire element, wind element, and sometimes also space element and consciousness element. There's different uh, listings. And there's also the reflection on death. That's the third one. So that's those three practices, which you know help us to become more acquainted with who we really are. And I think you know, at the beginning of the practice, it's all like a bit curious and so on, you know, and we don't really go very far with it, but I think at this time now, as we become more aware about the limitations of the biosphere, the, the practice takes on a, a very different um, power, at least for me, really. And the, over the last few years, I have, I'm teaching that practice a lot because I feel it's so timely. And I think it would be so wonderful if, you know, our children in school would learn this practice because it, from very early onwards, you know, to have that way of looking at the body is so helpful, I think. You know, for us, starting, you know, in our middle age or maybe older than that, 
we have to work much harder, you know, to break through those cognitive and uh, emotional filters, you know, which have been conditioned into us through our culture, through our family, through our upbringing. So yeah, I find that a very powerful uh, practice. And uh, you know, and what we see in that meditation to really integrate that into our lives that would be so beneficial not only for ourselves, but also for all of those, you know, who are in contact with us and, and for the for civilization itself, you know, because we all need to learn who we really are. Because, you know, our conditioning for us, you know, is often very influenced by, by Christianity, you know, with the concept of we are masters of uh, the planet and we are taking, you know, we are, we are allowed by God basically to extract and take what we like and throw back what we don't like. And there is no sense of uh, kinship or responsibility. It's more like uh, we are destined you know, to be masters of the planet. And that's really not working out, I'd say. Because you know, we can never be masters of such a mysterious process as a self-regulating planet which has been evolving over 4 billion years. So that, you know, is a very immature stance, which we need to really consciously do some work to, to uh, let, leave it behind. Because it's obviously, you know, it's kind of killing us, really. The planet is going to do very well. You know, it's always going to find its equilibrium again. But it's, it's, it's about us, you know, our species um, could very well um, be wiped off, you know, the planet if it doesn't more join in as a team player with all of the other species. So, you know, developing or doing, making, doing practices where we can directly experience who we are. And then also have the other effect of it is that it is a, a complete clear insight into emptiness as well. So, um, you know, and not by forcing ourselves to do anything, but it's just more by adding something to it, which means, you know, adding awareness, adding mindfulness, adding uh, clear comprehension to what we are already doing. And, and paying attention in a particular way, you know, according to the instructions. And then through that, you know, allowing life to speak for itself by really observing in a, in a particular way. And then there's nothing, you know, we have to do but it's more like listening and, and, and paying attention to what's already happening because uh, reality is already doing the job. We, we just need to pay attention. And what, what I find really interesting is, you know, that the word homo sapiens, you know, is translated as wise, wise human, but the word sapiens comes from the Latin word sapere, which means to taste. So, you know, to, if a little kind of baby wants to really know something, it puts it in its mouth. You might have seen that, you know. That's a way of knowing. To really intimately have it very close to feel it with the, with the lips, you know, which are very, very uh, sensitive. And, and that kind of understanding, you know, that's what we would like to cultivate, that very intimate knowing which comes from really, really deeply paying attention and also having that hard wish to know. It's, it's, it's like a full-bodied knowing which we need to come in touch with. 
to bring that knowing from the head into the heart and into the whole body. Which also you know, has a lot to do with really living from the place of the knowing. So this you know, intertwining between realization and actualization to really live from that place. And through that, you know, it gets deeper and deeper integrated and becomes an embodied knowing. Not just like uh, information in the head. To really allow ourselves to be informed, you know, to let it go into our form, so to say, through living it. And... Uh, In that way, you know, we will be changed and we will respond, you know, to this kind of evolutionary threshold situation we are all at as a species right now. You know, we're either we, we're going to make that step into a deeper understanding of who we are and what we are doing here, or we might quite likely, you know, um, need to give way, you know, for something more capable for this to come. So it's a very powerful moment, you know, to be consciously on such a threshold together is, is a powerful thing. And also like exciting at the same time, because it's in our hands, we can, we can do something about this. We can make ourselves available for this. We can become a vessel for this, not just like as an individual, but as a as a sangha, you know, as a, as a as a group, as a civilization, really. And somehow, you know, I'd say we have lost our way by trying to protect ourselves from the vulnerability of our very soft bodies, you know, which we have, which are very easily hurt, you know, and need a lot of support in order to flourish. And, you know, science and technology and also artificial intelligence, all of those, you know, very amazing um, things which we have come up with, they are in, you know, in the service of protecting ourselves from the vulnerability of being a human being on this planet. And at the same time, they have created such a mess. So it's, it's a very a paradox situation, you know, which we can't really think our way out of it. Because it's the thinking, you know, the limited thinking, which is so dominated by cognitive and emotional filters, which has got us in, the, in this mess in the first place. So we need to find a different way of approaching all of this. And I think, you know, the, that the element meditation is one doorway into a different narrative. And from that you know, different narrative, there is much more possibility, you know, for being able to respond in a way which is sustainable. And today, you know, there's a lot of speaking about emergence because it's generally acknowledged, you know, that on some level, we have come to the end of what this uh, current worldview can handle, you know. The modern worldview with, with capitalism and hierarchies and all of those different systems, you know, we have patriarchy, we have put in place to organize ourselves. They have come to a certain kind of... Um, you know, checkmate, we could say. And it starts to, you know, crumble and fray at the edges right now. And if we want to, you know, pay attention, we, we can notice that, you know, since a few years, you know, since uh, COVID, somehow, you know, we are living in a different world. 
and we all know that we can't go back to how it was before. So, you know, we are noticing that the systems are starting to backfire. And that's, you know, means they need to be changed. But as long as we are standing inside of those systems, we, we can't really think our way out of this. We need to drop deeper. We need to, you know, live from a different narrative and let go of the old narrative of mastery and control and, and rather go into a space of being part of the team, you know, with all of the other intelligences here, the intelligences of so many other beings, you know, who are much more mature than us, you know, who, have, who are here for many more years than us. The plant intelligences and other intelligences of rivers and mountains and all of those beings, you know, we haven't really been paying attention to until recently because we were just interested in what they had to offer us and what we could get from them. And now, you know, we're starting to wake up and uh, also, you know, learning from our indigenous brothers and sisters. Some of those uh, people have preserved that understanding. So we're in a very, you know, potent time right now where all of that starts to move. And, you know, with the Buddhist teaching on emptiness and not self, you know, we are right at the heart of the understanding, you know, that there is no separate entities. But how, you know, can we bring that into our daily lives? This is the, the question, you know. So that we can weave ourselves back into the fabric of life because we are standing inside of it, but we are just not aware of it. Because we are so overpowered, you know, by the old worldview. So it, it takes work, you know, to, to drop it. And, uh, you know, to update the cultural narrative. And, you know, we have to do that together because we can't wait for anybody to do it for us. You know, some big somebody, some president or somebody, we, that doesn't work, you know. We need to do it ourselves. And, you know, there's talking about, you know, we can become the immune system of the planet by really opening ourselves to that information and Take it in, you know, make space, invite it in, train yourself, and then, you know, pass it on. That's how it happens. I think that, you know, there have been many times that in the evolution of life on this planet that there were extreme threshold moments. You know, when the first fish came on land and developed some kind of legs, you know, to move. That must have been a huge, scary undertaking, you know, not knowing how it's going to work out. Or when the apes had to come down from the trees, you know, starting to walk upright for the first time. That was surely a very uncertain enterprise, you know. And we are in a similar situation now, I think, you know, where we have to come down from the assumption of that we can ever be the masters of all of this. It's, it's also like a big step, you know, to, to say yes, you know, to this. And we can do this, you know, when we have to. And I think, you know, saying yes to it and then, you know, working with the mind, what it brings up, that's our part, you know, of the, of the job. And I think, you know, that It's not like we don't need to think our way through all of this. We just need to kind of humbly make ourselves available, you know, for the process to work through us and not desperately try to 
you know, optimize the past, wanting to go back how it was five years ago, it's not possible. So instead, you know, of trying to do that, it I think it'd be much more effective to develop our capacities for sensing and feeling into the deep interconnectedness, you know, with everything else. And in particular, also, you know, acknowledging the other intelligences which are alive around us, you know, the trees, for example, how much they do for us, you know, every day. And developing a, a sense of kinship, you know. And, you know, like a, a humility and a willingness, you know, to drop down onto the ground, you know, and the word uh, humus is, is a, a word for soil or for earth. And the word humus and the word humility and the word human, they all start, you know, with the same three letters. I find that really interesting. And also the word humor, you know, which is also important, not forget that one, because it's also quite funny in some ways, you know, that such an immature species as ours ever thought that we could be the masters of all of this. You know, the average lifespan of a mammalian species here on this planet is about 2.7 million years, you know, and our species, the Homo sapiens sapiens is around for about 200,000 years. So if you would equate, you know, 2.7 million with 100 years, then we are about 7.4 years old. So, you know, we are really kind of pretty young, you know, and we have all of these powerful machines, you know, it's really a mess, really. You know, if you give like a machine gun <laughs> to a 7.4 year old person, it's a scary thing, you know, and all the other stuff which we are wielding, you know, including, uh, you know, AI and all of those things, it's really, it's a, it's a, a serious kind of uh, imbalance, you know. And somehow, you know, we have put so much energy into technology and science in order to protect ourselves and it hasn't really worked. But we are so addicted, you know, to those views that we can't imagine to stop. But we can try, you know, we, we don't need to try to imagine it if, if that is difficult to do. We just get get going and you know, get 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 working, you know. And then see what happens. And you know, the meditation which I want to share with you today is uh, is such an attempt, you know, to help the mind, you know, to step out of the being so addicted to one sense and you know, of being so addicted to the thinking and getting more you know coming to our senses the other senses besides the the mind sense you know there's five more senses just let us abide in those senses you know and if the mind if the thinking mind settles the senses come alive and if we can't sense, if we can't feel, then we tend to overthink, you know. For example, you know, if you want to know how honey tastes, you know, you could like write four books about it and speak about it like endlessly, or you just take a spoon and taste it, you know, one second, it's done, you know it. It's that kind of a thing, you know, we're doing like writing four books about honey instead of just like taking and, and tasting it and being done and knowing it. So, you know, if we think, if we, if we look at it that way, it makes a lot of sense again, you know, it makes a lot of sense that we need to come to our senses so that we know our place in all of this, you know, in relationship to 
the trees in relationship to everything, the air and the rivers and you know, the capacity for relationship needs to be increased. And in a way you could say, you know, the Buddhist teaching is all about telling, um, telling is not the right word, you know, training our capacity for relationship to experience. And noticing, you know, if we are adding something on top of it in terms of greed, hatred, and delusion. Is it, is it an, you know, is it a relationship in the, in the way like how it really is, or am I interfering with it? That's in a way, you know, in a nutshell, what the Buddha's teaching is all about. So let us just, you know, use the time now for some meditation. And, you know, finding a posture we can sustain for 25 minutes or so. And you don't have to work hard. You don't have to do anything in particular, just, you know, listening to the words and allowing the mind to respond. And you're not allowing your nervous system to guide you. And we can just start, you know, by um, tapping your teeth together and feel the hardness of your teeth for a moment. That's the quality of earth element. Hardness as opposed to softness and structure. And we can feel that particularly in the bones and the teeth are considered, you know, to be the tips of the bones. So just let us you know, now sweep from the top of the head, do a body sweep from the top of the head, you know, feeling the hardness of the bones, sweeping down over the jaw, coming to the neck with the vertebrae, bones, hardness, earth element, the shoulders, hardness, earth element. And the upper arms, hardness, earth element. The lower arms, hardness, earth element. The hands, hardness, earth element. Then we come to the torso with the spine and the rib cage. Hardness, earth element. The pelvis the hips, hardness, earth element. The upper legs, hardness, earth element. The lower legs, hardness, earth element. And the feet, Hardness, earth element. This whole body is permeated by earth element. Earth element internally and earth element externally in the rocks and in the mountains is exactly the same earth element. Earth element is empty, empty of a self. And if we don't ingest earth elements through food for more than one or two months, the body is going to shut down.
So we are in constant exchange with the biosphere. We never cut the umbilical cord to the biosphere. And in order for an earth element to form a body, it needs to be, there needs to be cohesion. And that brings us to the next element, the water element, which stands for wetness, fluidity, and cohesion. And you know, we can be aware of it in the mouth, the eyes, and also in the flesh. The flesh is permeated by lots of liquids. The fleshy soft parts, between the bones and the skin. And we can you know, be aware of that fleshy parts, water element in the feet. And then in the legs, flesh, water element. the hips, pelvis, flesh, water element. The torso with all of the inner organs, flesh, water element. The hands, Flesh, water element. The arms, flesh, water element. The shoulders, flesh, water element. Neck, flesh, water element. The head, flesh, water element. And this whole body is permeated by water element. About 75% of the body are water element. Water element internally in the body and externally in the rivers, the lakes, the oceans and the rain, clouds, is exactly the same water element. Water element is empty, empty of a self. And if we don't you know, drink water element through beverages or water for like five days or so, the body is going to shut down. There's a constant exchange happening between the biosphere and the body. We are actually just a piece of biosphere, a secretion of the biosphere. And you know, in order for water to form a body, it needs to have a certain temperature. If it's too hot, it evaporates. If it's too cold, it freezes. That takes us to the next element, which is the fire element, which stands for temperature, hot and cold. And we can perceive it on the skin or in the mouth as well. You know, where the air in the room meets the skin, it's either neutral, cool or hot, whatever is happening for you. We can sweep again. Sweep down from the top of the head, feeling skin and fire element. Come to the neck, skin, fire element. Shoulders, skin, fire element. Arms and hands. Skin, fire element. 
torso with uh, the organs, maybe digesting dinner, fire element. Pelvis, hips, skin, fire element. Legs and feet, skin, fire element. This whole body is permeated by fire element. Fire element internally and fire element externally, which comes from the sun. And it can also come from certain kinds of fuel. It's exactly the same fire element. Fire element is empty. Empty of a self. And you know, we, these bodies can only exist in a certain temperature range and we have invented clothing and heating and housing, you know, to ex expand that range, but it has its limits. And heat, you know, is actually the result of, of friction, of movement, and that takes us to the next element, which is uh, the wind element which we can become aware of in the breathing process, the expansion and contraction of the upper body, pressure, movement, The air, you know, which the uh, oxygen which we are breathing in is uh, produced by the plants around us. There's a constant recycling going on since millions of years. And you know, if we stop breathing for about three minutes, the body is going to shut down. In order you know, for the breathing process to take place, there needs to be space inside the body where the air can go in and out, but also the space body itself sits in space. Space, you know, which is limitless, which doesn't end at the walls of the room we are sitting in, but it's, it's expanding as we are speaking here. You know, kind of listening into the spaciousness, the silence. You know, the mystery of all of this, incredibly subtle and powerful processes, which are self-regulating. There is an intelligence operating in all of these processes, which is so much vaster than what our mind could ever intellectually fathom. But there's a different way, you know, to connect and that is through sensing, not through thinking. And this is the kind of, of approach which we need to train more fully 
in order to be able to respond from a different narrative of who we are and what we are doing here. And on training those capacities, which we already have lying dormant, that is the next evolutionary step. Not being so completely uh, caught up in the thinking mind, but looking also at other ways of of relating and taking in information. This whole living field of intelligence we are embedded in. Allowing that to come online by opening up to it. You know, allowing that sense of wonder and not knowing to just stay open without always trapping it into some kind of meaning. Just letting it be what it is. We don't need to add something on top of it. You're seeing that kind of that addiction of wanting to make some kind of meaning out of everything. And, and through that, you know, trapping it and diminishing it into some kind of little bite-sized chunks, you know, which are not really capable of understanding what what this is. So this requires some humility and, and willingness, you know, to be in that in-between state, which is, you know, feels unsettling because the old is, is disappearing, you know, and the new isn't really we don't know what, what is it, what's going to emerge. So that, you know, that willingness to be supporting that process. Don't think the world, but notice the world.
So in a minute or so, I'm going to ring the bell. So coming back to the breathing, body, the weight of the body. So thank you, you know, for your practice. Okay, do a little chant now, you know, sharing all of the, the benefits of all of your efforts of coming here and for the wise spirit Sangha as a whole and you are practicing together, you know, sharing that uh, for the benefit of all sentient beings, you know, may a new narrative um, arise, you know, so that homo sapiens can adjust their systems to more, you know, to be more in sync with reality. Sabaroga vinimuto, Sabasanta bavacito, Sabavera maticanto, Nibuto chatavam pava. Sapitio viva chantu saparoko vinasatumate pavadvantarayo sukiti kayuko pavapiva tanasili sanichang vutapachaino chataro tamma vatantia yuvano sukang. Parang. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Buddhas. May you ever be well. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Dhamma. May you ever be well. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Sangha. May you ever be well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.